listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your resident guitar scientist with over 25 years of experience, restoring, building, and repairing guitars. And today's co-host is, drumroll please, Nat! Hello! I'm glad to be here. Hello, Nat. That was pretty quick. I was slightly unprepared. Greetings! Hello! Greetings to you, and salutations (laughs) of the day, sir. (laughs) I appreciate it. I will read the listener submitted questions the best I can. See what I did? Yep. And Eric will try to answer them the best he can. I will. Drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Drawing on my vast experience. Yeah, vast reservoir. What's on your bench? Speaking of vast reservoir. Uh, I've been shipping out a ton of books. Oh, yeah. I I saw them. That's what's been taking a lot of my time. You're going to have to be careful not to trip on them. We had other plans. They were going to be shipped out of a shipping warehouse uh, in Washington. Oh. But it just didn't pan out. So I'm stuffing envelopes and shipping them out. That's what it's come to. (laughs) Oh, you mean And it's okay. That's fine. What people imagined is actuality. But it takes a little um, more time than, I mean, I really thought that we were going to have this automated and... Yeah, flying cars. Yeah, and pay somebody to do this who has made a business, you know, some hustle business of shipping out books and magazines and such, but uh, yeah. that's not the case. And maybe harness the power of computers or yeah. something. So I actually have to ship them out, but that's fine. I've been keeping up on it, and I've been shipping them all over the world. That's pretty neat. I've got one yeah, on man. my uh, fancy coffee table. It's quite the accent piece. All righty. If nothing else. It's great. I've had a few people contact me here and there and everywhere, Instagram, email, whatever, saying, uh, that no, you know, nothing bad. Nobody's said anything bad yet. Oh, okay. No two-star reviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's been very happy with the book, which is great. I'm thrilled about that, and I'm happy with the book, too, so... There you go. Yeah, and were you on the couple of these uh, podcasts? What do they call them? Are those have those been released? I was on. Yeah, I was. On, Fret, uh, Jason from the Fretboard Journal interviewed me for the oh, yeah. uh, Fretboard Journal podcast. Heard of him? That was great. Yeah, it sure is a nice magazine. Fretboard Journal's. Um, Boy. It's unbelievable. If it were on any subject, whatever they got going in there. You'd want to be... It's a beautiful magazine. Yeah, you'd want to be informed. It is wonderful. It really is. I'm a subscriber. Uh, and it's always a good day when that magazine shows up, man. I love it. Yeah. And my, my, yeah, we won't talk about their mono cases, but my mailman likes to wad uh, things up. He won't just put it through the mail slot. 
Oh, really? Yeah, he gave those mono cases quite a he quite gave a him, test. Really? He gave them a run for oh, the, yeah. those are stout. Yeah. They're mailers. Yeah, he tacos them, man. That's I took a he he doesn't push it through. He leaves things mm-hmm. in there. I took a clue from Jason uh and got a good stout mailer for the for the book. Oh yeah. Well, he's he's a pioneer. Yeah. In setting standards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he told me a long time ago that the yeah, the post office is going to just mess up. Yeah, they your magazine or your book. Yeah. You got to get some good packaging. You can't just slip it in one of those manila envelopes. Yeah, when you worked hard on it. Yeah, you yeah. can't leave it in the hands of fickle fate. No. Them fellers will mash it. What else am I working on lately? I was fixing you, to ask you. You ask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you read my mind. A bunch of pick cards that I need to ship out. You know, I make those Bakelite yeah, I was going to ask 50s, you. 50s uh, reproduction pick Black cards. guard thingies. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, and neat. I'm really not trying to promote them because I'm out of Bakelite sheets, and so I've taken them I've taken them down from... Well, they're still up on my website. I just said they're out of stock, so you can't actually order them. <laughs> yeah, they're exclusive. Well, uh, those are pretty cool. But eventually, you can order them again. I have to ship out a bunch of those that I'm finishing up, and some pickups, and a bunch, a whole bunch of repairs. I just finished up a guitar for... Uh, do you know the band The Super Suckers? You know who they yeah. are? Were they out of Seattle? One yeah, of them grungers? Been... The Mother Love Bone? Well, and the they're super not suckers like that. They're and... more kind of cowpunk. And the... Uh, Harvey Danger, see that? But uh, yeah, the, I'm working on. Are they Marty from the Super Suckers? And I'm working on his acoustic really? guitar. Did they play over to Tractor Tavern? I've been there. I don't probably. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's cool. They're world travelers. They just tour the world, man. They're musicians, man. Oh yeah, they got a music. They're legit. Can well, you imagine cool. how awful that would be to tour? It sounds. Have you ever terrible. thought about that? I think it'd be really awesome. About. Three nights, and then it would be gross. There were two touring bands that talked to me briefly about touring with them mm-hmm. when I was in Seattle, and yeah. I was like, oh, no, no. Yeah, that ain't no life. Nah. And you weren't even um, otherwise attached, were you? At well, the at the time, but yeah, I uh, I just can't imagine living in a van driving across America with oh, man. musicians. <laughs> Yeah, with like Shutter, Chris Novoselic and stuff. Yeah, it's not my gig. It'd be rough. Uh, what's on your bench? Do you have a bench? Um, <laughs> what's on I, your, uh... I bought a banjo and didn't want to tell you about it. Oh, geez. It's not being fired. Yeah, you don't say that in mixed company, that's for sure. But I, so that's on my couch. That's my cute. It's uh, like buying a typewriter. It's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's an affectation. It's yeah. like, a, like a dang monocle. <laughs> yeah, it it is. is. And I'll tell you, listen to me, people out there. These things do not play themselves. No. Like as bad as you think the guitar is, don't get a stupid banjo or an accordion or some goofy thing. What are you doing on it? Are you playing like I'm getting on the stupid bluegrass? tutorials. No, because I can't. Like I can't do anything. So just like country stuff? Just like doink, doink, doink. Vaudeville? Well, yeah. I would do bluegrassy, yeah, yeah. I, if I could. But it's it's supposed to be good for your brain, learning all this stuff, and I don't know. Whatever. No, I, I that's about it. That's, I don't know. All right. I, yeah, that that's the end of that. I don't know. What did we get? Would you have any of those calls or no, what else? Any anything. announcements? You no, got this I great was, book. Yeah. Very hey, handsome did you, book. I, yeah. Did you look through the book at all? Yep. Yeah. It's got all these layouts. Yeah. They're neat. 
SolidSoundBook.com is where you can go to order that book if you haven't already. And uh, if you have, man, sincerely thank you. I, I do appreciate your support. And I really hope that you find the information therein valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? It makes me want to buy an Esquire, an E-Type. Really? There's something about it that's kind of neat. Like yeah. the idea of switching being somewhat complex on a one pickup guitar. Yeah, it's cool. That's yeah, neat. There's a lot more ways to wire an Esquire than than you'd initially think. Well, yeah. That's a cool book. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. And Dan did a great job with the design and such. Yeah, the, the layout and the whole uh, yeah. aesthetic is yeah, it looks good. Top notch. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, we don't have any calls oh, to play. It. No, so you're on so the hook. Okay, the, reading the old uh, emails here. But make, before make we sound. do that, yeah, I know. Be- like we need more. there. We go. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric. Hi. Is it true that excess solder on a joint grounding a pickup to the back of a tone pot? can cause some hum. Hmm. I am in the infancy of my experience fiddling with wiring on guitars. I've gotten pretty good at soldering a wire to a lug on a switch or pot. Mm-hmm. However, I still struggle with grounding to the back of a pot. Mm-hmm. So I tend to overcompensate with too much solder. What, if any, are the consequences of this? Mm. Jeff. That's a good one. Yeah, Jeff, thanks. Uh so a few things. Um, first of all, the the biggest uh, the biggest danger of too much solder and and when you're when you're grounding something to the back of a pot, the biggest danger you run into there is overheating it, and you'll actually kill the pot. Yeah. I mean, if you get it too hot, oh, you got too, your you got your phone dinging. Oh, I thought that was inside my brain. Apologize. Uh. So too much time on the back of this. If you overheat it, then it's going to kill it. It'll actually stop working. Yeah. Too much solder, like a big blob of solder on the pot there, isn't going to cause any extra hum or isn't going to cause any bad noises or bad juju, any, you know, it's really just a matter of you want a good solid connection. My guess is... And I'm guessing this because about 20 years ago, I had the same problem and realized that I needed a really bad-to-the-bone soldering iron. Honkin' is a term that needs to be yeah. inserted in there. Hurricane. Yeah, hurricane. There you go. You need yourself a hurricane soldering iron. Yeah, it dims the lights, man. The um, People who own soldering irons typically have the little orange-handled thing that it just plugs into the wall, right? You want one with a little transformer that sits in a base station and has a knob where you can adjust the temperature and something that's 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 substantial, mm-hmm. like a Weller um, SE. Well, let me look it up. Let me look up what I have. But the problem you're having is your soldering iron is not hot enough. Right. And you got a little pencil iron or something and... You need, I hope that you tell him if he needs a chisel tip or whatever. I hope that comes up too. Let me see here. There's one called a Weller 
S-E, no, W-E-101. Yeah, I think that's what I have. That sky blue, really nice one. Yeah. Yeah. You can get them for around 100 bucks, And they make nicer ones, too, you know. But you want something that, because to solder properly on the back of of a pot, you want your soldering iron raging hot. Which I know I just said, you don't want to overheat it. But what you want to do is get in and get out. Yep. And the only way to do that is with a raging hot soldering iron. So I think the maximum temperature on this soldering iron I have is 850 degrees. Whoa. Yeah. That's several Kelvins. And if I'm going to solder to the back of a pot, I will crank it. I will put it on 850. And then I'll put some flux on the pot. Oh, good one. I'll put the solder right on, you know, the pot there and bring in my soldering iron. And it'll heat things up quickly and let the solder flow smooth. You're going to do less damage with a super hot soldering iron briefly than if you've got a 650 degree soldering iron just sitting there for 10 minutes while you try to shovel solder at it. But what's happening is the mass, the metal of the pot is a heat sink. And so it's soaking up all the energy needed to melt the solder so that's my guess is you've got an inadequate soldering iron that's good though that's a that's a good description good wonderful let me try another Alrighty. hi eric i'm fitting a new bone nut to my acoustic the pressure on of the strings on the nut particularly the low e makes it slip from its seat on closer inspection i know I notice that the seat angle is slightly more acute than a right angle. Okay, so this one. Um, more more pizza than, you know. I mm-hmm. should, uh, let's see, should I shape the nut to fit the seat or file the bottom of the seat to make it closer to a true right angle? Hmm. These things aren't the easiest to explain. I've kept it brief, hopefully not at the expense of clarity. Wow. That's high-level writing right there. That's Beautiful. wonderful. All the best and kind regards, Ashley. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you, Ashley. That's great. Uh, Ashley's in Ireland, I believe. Is that right? I think so. Wow. I, if it's if it's uh, who I'm thinking of, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like Martin nut slots have a an angled bottom to the slot of the nut, so this so. It's not a right angle. Um, and mm. it's a common thing. You see it on, I think, a lot of Takaminis and Martins for sure. They don't have a Gibson-style nut slot where the bottom of the nut slot is on the same plane as the fingerboard. Okay. It actually follows the tilt of the headstock. So oh, you've got it starts, an okay. angled bottom to the slot. So what you have to do is angle the bottom of the nut to fit the slot. Okay. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Don't go digging out the bottom of the slot. That is a real botched job. Okay. The the next guy will look at that and go, oh, crap, who did this? Well, there you go. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, and it's a little bit of work, but you can do it. You know, what I like to do is, um, if you don't have a belt sander, I take double-sided tape and stick uh, sandpaper to sheet a sheet of masonite 
and then use that as a sanding board to get a flat surface. You know? And you move the nut over it. Yeah, and you can mark right with a on. pencil where the where you need to sand to. Okay. Yeah. The depth. Okay. Good. Hi, Eric. Love the book. Hmm. With an exclamation point. Hey, all right. Yep. Punctuation it's, and everything. I know. It's great. Thank Your you. Your focus on delivering valuable information directly and clearly is refreshing and truly helpful. <sighs> because you talk about guitars and wiring rather than yourself, you deliver, <laughs> yeah, this, this is great, quote, more than twice as much in less than half the space, nice. end quote. I swear I didn't write this. Um, I can't wait to see the name at the end of this. It'll tell the tale. Your inclusion of writing schemes that work differently, wiring schemes, darn it, I botched your thing. Wiring schemes that work differently from the familiar designs, not to be weird, but to, but to provide musical sounds players really want is super interesting, helpful, and given the value of those designs, generous too. Oh, geez, that's great. All impeccably comet. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. I doubt that I'm the first person to ask, are you working on another? Please. Uh, no. Mm -hmm. Let me, let's pause there. I'm not. Yep. We paused for it, and there's your answer. Uh, I did talk to Old Fuzzy. I oh, said, that's right. You know who A.D. Barron, Old Fuzzy is? He's got two great names. Yeah. Monikers. Man, he's so cool. I wish I wish I could drive to uh, Northern California, there oh, where he California. is. California. And drink some iced tea out of a big mason jar with him. Yeah, maybe Mendocino, huh? He just turned 80. Whoa. Old Fuzzy is super cool. He's the real thing. Yeah, but um, I sent him a copy, and he said, you know, I've got, I got I got a ton of schematic. You could make another book if you wanted. Oh, yeah. You could fill another book with these. Vol 2. Yeah, so, I mean, I won't say definitely not, but not anytime soon. Yep. Let this one breathe for a while, I say. I did have somebody ask me if there was a humbucker book in the works, because mm -hmm. this one focuses on single coils. Yeah. That's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. uninteresting. Yeah. Okay. Simple slash dumb question. Do you have a particular wire, type, or gauge you use in control cavities? I find everything from the most thin and brittle solid core plastic coated stuff to hefty cloth covered shielded pushback stuff is there something that works consistently well for you when doing the actual wiring and then it's then in its performance in the circuit in the guitar so both those things i guess or does all wire perform about the same in this particular setting where the runs are so short any tips on routing wires some of the guitars I open up look like someone is storing a mess of spaghetti in there, while <laughs> others route the wires cleanly and more purposefully. How do you think about the physical placement of wires in the space of a control cavity? Hmm. Thanks again for being such a great and generous resource. You deliver high-value information. Patrick Collins. I promise I did not. I did not well, make that up. I don't. Thanks for brightening his day, Patrick. Yeah, man. It's just so complimentary. It's great. I know Nat thinks I write some of these, but I swear. Well, no, that man shielded pushback cloth covered. Mm -hmm. Wow, what do you think about that? Uh, do you have a particular wire that you use? He says, and yes, I typically use 
the cloth covered pushback vintage style. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, guitar wire. Um, and it's it, the brand that I use is Gavit, G A V I T T. It's really the best. And it's uh, 22 gauge. It's pre tinned. It's good mm. stuff. Yeah, it's like stranded pre tinned. And is it readily available? Cloth, cloth jacket with a, it's a like waxed cotton outer. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. And yeah, it's very, very much so readily available. It's on Amazon or it's on, it, you can get it from Stuart McDonald or oh, All yeah. Parts or whoever, whatever your favorite supplier is. Yeah. But that's the stuff. That's the stuff I like um, when I'm doing a fresh build or if I'm working on my own guitars or, you know, pretty much anything. But there are cases where cloth wire would look out of place and would just seem like an odd fit. So I use plastic-covered wire, too. But it's the same stuff internally. It's oh, really? 22 AWG, strand, you know, stranded wire. But it's just for pointy guitars. And it stuff. just has a different insulation. Well, yeah, if I'm working on somebody's whatever ESP and with I skulls to, on it, and need stuff. to put one wire in there. I'll yeah. I'll reach for the the black instead and of the white plastic green pushback deal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right, all right. Uh, and the other kind of wire I use would be specifically when I'm working on. Something like a Gibson that has a braided shield wire. So it has shielded mm-hmm. yeah. cloth pushback wire, right? With the braided shield on the outside. So that's all the different kinds of wire I typically use. And you like it both for the actual hooking up, soldering, layout, and the actual function, the sound. That was a question he had that was kind of interesting. The sound, I don't believe that there's any difference. So, like, if you use, and I've actually had people tell me that there's that they can hear the difference between cloth insulated wire and plastic insulated wire, but I guarantee you, there's not a sonic difference. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it's just that's silly. Yeah, I have a hard time with that. But there may be. A sonic difference, and in fact, there is a little bit of sonic difference in the shielded stuff because you've got a she- you know the ground and the hot running right next to each other over you know a long stretch, and there is some crosstalk between those two and I think that what it does is um you lose a tiny bit of highs with that. Because it's a capacitor, I guess. Yeah, with Capacitance. that. Yeah, yeah, with that. Um, Could be shielded wire, but sonically, there's no difference huh. in the between like plastic insulated and cloth insulated wire. And do you uh, worry about how about routing these so they look orderly? Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to mm-hmm. do that. That's Plus, part of your part of your book is this layout, right? Yeah. Do you do, you do that a little bit, like mm-hmm. from the pickups? I guess it's just a schematic drawing of yeah i talk a little bit about keep keep your wiring um short there should be a little extra for you know service access Mm -hmm. but no you don't want there to be like coiled up spaghetti in your control cavities Mm -mm. because that is messy and it 
causes hum. Yeah. Because a, you basically turn your guitar cavity into an antenna. Yeah, and it's just disrespectful, man. <laughs> it is. You shouldn't be doing that. It's disrespectful, guys. <laughs> it ain't right. Listen, guys, it ain't. Okay, wonderful. Should we try another? I, did we answer all of those? Because it seems well, like there was, was just rapid was fire one after another. detailed, and I'm trying to keep the pace going, you know. Yeah. Um, thanks, Patrick. And thanks for the compliments, and I'm gl- I'm super happy that you enjoyed the book. Thank you. Yeah, and it, it, that was a very good question in every respect. All righty, page two. I'll try this one. Hi, Eric. Love the podcast and the new Solid Sound book. Thank you. Can't wait to wire up my Strat according to your blend schematic. Ooh, which one is that? Is that the Waylon? You'll have to read the book, man. Yeah, I guess. Mm. I bet it's good. Blend. I bet it has some blending. Here's my question. I have a 1974 Martin D35. A few years ago, I took it in for some work. My luthier informed me that the fretboard on this guitar was absolutely flat, no radius whatsoever, which I had never really noticed. He advised me to let him restore the radius to this to its original specs. No discussion about how or why this was the case, simply that it would be better to restore it to the correct radius. I agreed, and the guitar came out great. I was worried. It plays and feels great, but I must say that it is quite different, and in the end, I wish that I had left the fretboard alone. Hmm. I'll be doggone. At any rate, at the Fretboard Summit in Chicago in August, I discussed this with the folks from Martin, and they told me that they had never heard of such a thing. They said that they never would have shipped a guitar from the factory without a radius. So my question is, have you ever encountered a Dreadnought-style guitar with a no-radius board? Would the reason, what would be the reason for having no radius? Why would a luthier remove the radius from a guitar? So, you know, reasonably assuming someone did this. If I had come to you with this guitar, would you have advised to put the radius back in? even if the guitar sounded and played great already. Thanks, Eric. Bobby from Charlotte. Hmm. The hmm. case of the flat fretboard. That was Hardy Boys number 32. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Um, I guess there's a few different... I guess there's a few different things that could have... that could have happened here. Now, I don't know who you took it to, and maybe the guy's got more experience and knowledge than I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But is it possible that you took it to a guy who was in, incorrect? So, for example, Martin guitars do have a flatter radius than most guitars. So okay. It's not flat, but it's 16 inches compared to, like, uh, Gibson usually has a 12-inch radius. Oh, um, huh. Fenders have a seven and a quarter inch radius on a, a like an electric, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, compared to you know other guitars, it does have a a flat ish, flatter mm-hmm. radius, but it shouldn't be flat. I think the only guitars that really have a flat fingerboard are classical guitars. Yeah, and their strings are about the same diameter. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that, is that why? 
Um, I think so. Well, yeah, yeah, but but uh, but uh, Martin guitar will have a sixteen-inch radius typically. So maybe he just thought, "Hey, this radius seems kind of flat." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it really truly did have a flat radius. In which case, um, maybe someone took the frets out, flattened the radius. I don't know why. Why does anybody do anything? Uh, it had divots or, yeah, why does who, any, that's better. That, who, that just preempts all thought. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah. just, let's just get this out there. Yeah. Who you knows don't why. know why anyone does a blessed thing in life. So it's possible somebody took the frets out yep. and completely flattened the fingerboard. And then the luthier you took it to was probably correct in trying to put a radius back in it. And so he did a seven inch radius. He's like, you know, you know it, that's a good point. So here's a numbers. Here would be a good test. I have radius gauges. I'm sure if you go to a reputable shop, they'll have a radius gauge. You should be able to take it somewhere and say, hey, can you measure the radius on this guitar? It should be 16. If it's 16 now, then the luthier that put a radius in it did a great job. Yep. If it's like 12, then no, it shouldn't have that. It's a Martin. It should have a 16-inch radius. So I don't know why, but I agree with the guys you talked to at the Fretboard Summit. It wouldn't have left the factory that way. Mm-mm. So I'm not sure exactly what happened here, but something funny. You got to go back to the Fretboard Summit. Surely <laughs> someone at the Summit <laughs> has a gauge. Well... You could make your own out of cardboard, right? A 16-inch radius means yeah. that if you take a 16-inch piece of string and take a push pin and, and tack it down to the to a piece of cardboard and then use a pencil and make a, make a big circle with it, and then you can cut out a little section, that's 16-inch radius. Man, before the internet, all kids across the country would be scrambling to do that right now. Make radius <laughs> gauges out of Cheerios boxes. So you could make your own great. impromptu radius gauge Man. and just find out. We need numbers. Do it. Yeah, that's what that's what you need to do, Bobby. Find out what radius is on there now. And that should tell you, like Encyclopedia Brown here, that should tell you <laughs> what exactly happened in this case. And if it's good or bad. Yeah. We don't know where we stand without some radii. Indeed. Let's take a quick little break and we'll be right back. Let's do it. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. You know PlayersGearMusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time, but you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals, 
and sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out, playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. Oh, I'll try another one. Eric, big fan of the show. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. That is a pretty neat thing. I've been a luth. Hey, you see what's going on there? I've been a luth for about 20 plus years, a little less than yourself, and just wanted to say in this online world today, as I'm sure it was the same when you were starting out, seeing this type of thing in print in a book was a beautiful thing. (laughs) This was exactly the thing I was looking for 20 years ago when I was starting out. Wiring diagrams. And I bought all the books I could afford back then, being the sponge that I was. Old habits die hard, and I bought this one too. Even though I don't get much call for this that type of work anymore, no wiring diagrams for Martin neck resets, I still need to keep my game up. Anyway, great show and great book. Congrats again. Hmm. Tim Young. Youngie's Guitar Repair in Allentown, PA. Thanks, Tim. Living down in Allentown. I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you so much, man. That's good. From a fellow Luth. Yeah. That's cool. And I think he's right. This harkens back to a time when we wanted touchstones, you know, some some common measurement and something that we had in common and, uh, and a real live book. And I thought about making it available for like download. Like a PDF or something, but oh, great! But if I did that, it would just end up all over the internet. Yeah, don't Napster, you think? man, they'd Napster it, and it would dilute. It, yeah, like this ubiquity and convenience of digital crud mm-hmm. just devalues it. Yeah, no, doesn't it, just water right. it down. It would be lime wired across the whole. <laughs> it would be lime wired. Yes, it's exactly right. Well, great one. All right, let me try. Oh. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I missed my... I got off track. Dang it. Oh, no, that was it. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Uh, Let me try this. Filed this under information for life. Okay. All right. That's that's the salutation. Mm -hmm. I listened to the podcast on and off. Was even featured in your Scary Gigs pod pod a while back. Only pod. Mm -hmm. This is a hip guy. And sometimes scroll back through for relevant topics that may help me better understand the instrument I play. Oh, yeah. The recent calls only where you touched uh, on resonators was a just-in-time listen. I've been playing some tunes with a band using my National N14 with a pickup. And folks in the band were constantly telling me to turn up. Oh, yeah. Boy, you don't get that often enough. (laughs) <laughs> but I <laughs> hey turn up the guitar yeah no one's ever said that to me <laughs> or uh, me yeah no kidding especially yeah um, but I couldn't really get any punch even dropping it off at my local repair shop for a look of course they found no problems yeah when you mentioned the use of an EQ pedal as a preamp I dug through my old bag and found a classic 70s MXR 10 band GE is that what it is mm-hmm. yeah okay uh, so when I went to rehearsal last night, 
I took that with me, plugged it in. It's that old, no batteries. Oh, that's cool. And lo and behold, volume. Yeah, those work well as an acoustic preamp, just an EQ pedal. Yeah, I bet he made him beg for mercy with that, baby. Just adjusted the the slides to B T B T B T. That's <laughs> I had to I had to email him back and say, "What the hell do you mean?" Bass treble, man. <laughs> yeah, and to see, well, you figured it out. I had no idea. Well, what it he took was me eight of them. About. It took me about eight. The first so he, seven, I wasn't he, getting it. He would turn. Well, I think he means bottom top, bottom top, oh, bottom top, oh, bottom okay. top. So. <laughs> There's like eight sliders. You put one all the way down, one all the way up, one all the way down, one all the way up. For some reason, he said... That's the setting. He asked around, and pedal steel players use these EQ pedals and do that. No now, way. I don't know why. It that, seems crazy. That's some wonderful superstition. There's not a thing wrong with that superstition. But, yeah, okay. Anyhow, carry on. I, I'm trying... I'll experiment with settings a little bit later, but thank you, Malcolm. Yeah. Well, that's neat. Thanks, Malcolm. I don't think you were here for that episode. I did a calls-only episode without you. Yeah. And uh, because I just had a whole bunch of calls to take. That's great. Yeah, and it was easy because it's all calls. Uh, And, yeah, somebody was asking how to boost the signal of their resonator with a pickup, and they remembered this hack that's a it's a good trick if you don't well an acoustic preamp like if you buy something a little box that says this is a preamp for your acoustic guitar it's going to be 150 bucks yeah but you can go you can buy an eq pedal for 20 bucks that yeah probably changes the impedance enough to really give her some punch and aside from an uh, an eight band eq it'll have a slider for volume yeah, if nothing else. Yeah. So, yeah. Good tip. Good. I'm glad that helped you out, Malcolm. Good. Greetings, Eric and Nat. Eric, I was going to buy that solid sound book, but my dad intervened, I guess, asked what I wanted for my birthday, so I shot him the link to the website, and my own copy showed up a few days later. Hot dog. That's great. I've really enjoyed reading through the book, and just like you promised... There are wiring diagrams I had never even heard of before. Oh, good. And I consider myself pretty good with wiring. Good. I'm really interested in the five-way telewiring and also using the normal strat switch to get both series and parallel. Also, being raised as the son of a desktop publisher, I couldn't help myself but to look for typos, errors, or mistakes, but I couldn't find anything. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we we did go nuts proofreading yeah, it. Yeah, it was uh yeah, you you went all the way through it. You combed through it. Yeah. Everything was clear, concise, and expertly explained. Highly recommended. Okay, on to the question. Thank you. I bought a junker acoustic twelve string to practice repairs on, and it needs basically everything. Mm-hmm. I'm a tech that does setups and minor repairs, but I'd like to slowly develop my skills and figured I'd rather potentially ruin my own guitars instead of someone else's. Good call. Yep. This guitar was bellying badly, and it needs a neck reset, a refret, and a new nut. A new saddle, probably new tuners, and so on. That's a new everything. Mm -hmm. The bridge was some cheap wood that was painted to look dark brown, so I decided to make my own bridge from some hardwood that I had. I have the part cut to the right shape, 
but it's not contoured yet. Here's the question. I need to re-glue the bridge, fix the belly, and do a neck reset. What order should I do these three jobs in? Ooh. Thanks for a great book and the podcast, Adam in Sonora. Thanks, Adam. So what order should he do those jobs in? Belly, bridge, what was the other B? Neck reset. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. I'm I'm curious what brand this Junker Acoustic 12-string is. Yeah. Because you're brave if you're if you're doing a neck reset on some Asian import twelve string there. I don't know what it is. He didn't say what the brand is, no. right? No. Yeah. Nope. So the first thing I would do is fix the belly. Okay. That's that's the first thing I would do, because uh, you can't really do anything else until you do that. You you can't glue the bridge to a, a bulged out top. And uh, the way I fix and those... And then straighten it or... Yeah. Because the top is yeah. not going to end up that way. Okay. Uh, the way that I straighten those out is I have a T.J. Thompson belly reducer, which is a metal call that you heat up and you, f- you clamp it inside the guitar onto the bridge plate. Mm. Actually, okay. there's one... One goes where the bridge would be but you've got the bridge off on the top side yeah one yeah. goes where the bridge would be and one goes on the bridge plate and they match with magnets whoa they pull together and you'll heat them up and then clamp them in place and uh yeah with like clamps huh. like 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 clamping a bridge on right and it works wonders. You you can order the set, and I think it comes with three different calls or something. I don't know. I've had it for so long, I don't remember. I hope they still sell that. That's what I would use. Hmm. Yeah. T.J. Thompson uh, belly reducer uh, call set. So once you do that, then you can fit your bridge, because now you've got a top that's flattened out a little bit, and it'll still have a a little bit of belly. You want that. Sure, that won't hurt you. Uh, and uh, to get your bridge to match the curvature of the top, if it's still slightly arched there, something that uh, Mark Tossman taught me in Seattle, what you'll want to do is, instead of sanding the bridge to match the top, um, clamp the bridge to your bench with something in the middle and then clamp the ends and force it into a slight arc. You uh-huh. can you can heat it up and then clamp it that way and get the right get the right curvature. You kinda over curve it or something with the clamps. Yeah. Oh. So you want to bend it, not sand it. Yeah. Then once you've got the top straightened out, you got the bridge on, now you can do the neck reset because you can't do a neck reset without the bridge on there because you wouldn't know the right angle to go. That must be the heart of the guitar then. So, uh, what? The bridge? That, yeah, the bridge location, man. That's where it you, all... You kind of, yeah. That's yeah. the fulcrum point of the whole so deal. So to know the geometry that you're going to need to end up with to do a neck reset, you kind of have to have the bridge on there. So there it really is a method to it, and there really is an order, a correct order to do those jobs in. So there you have it. That was a great question. That is. That's nuts and bolts and nuance. I like it.
Well, I love it. I yeah. think I just turned the page, and I think we need that music to roll. Yeah, that was it, huh? I think that's that all she wrote. It. That does it for the show. Thanks so much. Thanks to Nat for co-hosting this You're show welcome. with me. I basically pay him in uh, free cups of coffee and uh, random plates of spaghetti. It's it ain't bad. <laughs> I don't get a lot of free stuff. It is good coffee. <laughs> it is. It's great. It is good coffee. I yeah. do fix your guitars for pretty much free. Yeah. Yeah, all kinds of guitars coming through here. Uh, yeah, no, I think quite yeah. a few of yours. Oh yeah, no, I haven't fixed hardly any of yours. Oh, hundreds. No, uh, stop it. Think about the acoustics. Well, yeah. I bet you I've had six guitars through here. Okay. maybe more. Yeah, that's about what I was thinking. It's not that that's many. All that's just that's just before lunch for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That does it for the show. Thanks for participating. And uh, thanks for buying the book, if you have. If you hadn't, it's not too late. I'm still stuffing them in envelopes. Go to solidsoundbook.com. If you want to participate in the show, and you really should, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Next episode is the end of October. Hmm. We typically do horror stories. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. I haven't promoted this at all, and I haven't gotten any horror stories. No, life's been so good the last couple of years. So man. we probably won't do it this year. Yeah, it's too good. We're doing other things. We're, we'll we'll get back to it next year. But please do send in questions or comments. I mean, if you have, we can we can sneak in a couple. If yeah. somebody has a horror story, send it in. Yeah, a one off. We'll do, we'll do the ones we get. So you can uh, uh, write in or you can call or text 757-774-8482. Call or text 757-774-8482. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.